Hello, and welcome to Letter of Introduction, the podcast from Servas Australia that takes you into the lives and homes of people you would never otherwise meet. My name's Lauren Gordon, and today the person we are going to meet is Johnny. That's Johnny Soganger, to use an Australian accent on a Swedish name, the president of Servas International and the chair of the international board Exco. It was at the end of the 2018 GA in Seoul in South Korea, in the car park just outside the venue that I spoke to Johnny about the conference, the future of Servas, and his passion for sauna. Can you please tell me your name and the country you're from? My name is Johnny Sorgenger. I'm from Sweden. And what's your position in Servas? I'm the global president of Servas International. Johnny, you have just been elected. It's your third term. So how many years has that been now that you've been president? Six years. So I was first elected at the General Assembly 2012 in Poland. And then I was re-elected in uh, New Zealand 2015. Sorry to interrupt, but is that an Alpenhorn, I hear you ask? The answer to your question is yes. An impressive identification of traditional mountainous wind instrument, by the way. What you hear in the background there is an alpenhorn owned by a Korean alpenhorn enthusiast and played by a Swiss service member in the car park adjacent to this interview. Now I've cleared that up, we can go back to talking about Johnny. I have a full-time job. Johnny is a journalist and he works for a media company He's the editor of two publications that cover politics, finance and health science related issues. I'm quite active and engaged in that job too. Mm -hmm. I have a family, three children. They don't live with my wife and I anymore. Uh, But I have a family, quite extended family. So this is my main hobby, I would say. Can you tell us quickly, how did you actually first come to join Servas? How long have you been a member and how did you come to join I joined 1984. Okay. I was traveling in the United States, mm-hmm. and somebody's. I actually belonged to an organization called Travelers Directory, uh-huh. and uh, I was staying with a host. And that person said that uh, what well, service is 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 bigger, it's much better. You should go to that organization. Okay. So I was interviewed in Colorado uh, in the winter of uh, 1984, and uh-huh. I thought it was a great organization. I became a member. And then I've introduced it to uh, my wife. I was a bit scared that she wouldn't like the idea, but she <laughs> of having strangers stay in your home. Exactly, yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, but she liked it. Yeah. And then our kids have grown up being service members, yeah. and it's we have sort of brought the world into our home yeah. by having visitors from other cultures. So Johnny joined service in the Colorado winter of 1984 which makes 34 years at the time of recording. And he became president of Servas International in 2012 in Poland. But what led to that? Well, he'd served as national secretary in Sweden between 2009 and 2012, so he had a good knowledge of the workings of the organisations. And in the European summer of 2011, about six months before the conference was set to take place in Poland, Johnny was approached by a member of the International Nominations Committee, who asked if he'd consider running for the role. In Poland, he ran a campaign. There were two candidates for president in that year, and he was elected. 
first in Poland, then in New Zealand, and now in South Korea. One topic of significance at the 2018 conference was the introduction and use of Servas Online, a subject of considerable debate over the last couple of decades at the international level, as well as in the lead-up to the Seoul conference, not least because of costs involved. Johnny, as you'll hear, is a strong advocate for the digitization of Servas, the facilitation of which being one of the reasons he rang for president in the first place, and one of the things that Johnny sees as a way forward for the organization. One of the questions that has been discussed a lot is about our uh, most important project, and that is the service online system, which is an uh, IT system with a database for all the members and also a communication system. If you're traveling around the world with Servas and you're searching for other members, mm. let's say you're interested in seeing choirs or you're interested in birds, mm. then you should be able to search in split second mm. for ornithologists in Ecuador. Ornithologists in Ecuador. What does the online system have to say about them? It's very much up and running. So I had a look. And although I could find no bird enthusiasts in Ecuador, there were five bird watchers who were keen to share their birdie knowledge with international guests in Servas Britain. That's the right direction to go yeah. because it's yeah, it's more efficient. We have invested a lot of money in, but we still need to invest more money. So mm. that has, over the years, become the biggest expense that mm. we would have. Somebody said that if we're going to invest the money we have in the bank, will that be the end of service? I think that if we don't use this money for the investment, that would probably be the end of service. The issue of ethical travels was uh, raised in New Zealand at the General Assembly in New Zealand 2015. Travel ethically, walk lightly on earth. This meeting will definitely enforce that project in, in service. You run a specific workshop group about ethical travel, didn't you? Yes. What were you discussing? Well, we discussed very basic things to begin with. For example, to define what is ethical travels. Mm. The definition we came up with for ethical travels is to the first aspect of it is that you are considerate about the culture you're traveling. Mm. So you, you're being respectful towards the culture where you're traveling. Mm -hmm. So you're not imposing your way of doing things. And the second thing, it has to do with being considerate with our earth mm. and using as little resources and doing as little damage as possible as you travel. We're not advocating no travels at all, mm. because that would, of course, be probably the most environmentally friendly thing to do. I would say that we, instead of shying away from that problem or that mm. dilemma, we're going heads on and try to use that problem as a, a stimulating, inspiring uh, challenge. Mm. What we can do is to help our members to find ways that are less damaging to the world. And we could also be an example, sort of a bank of competence and knowledge in these questions. Sustainable travels, for right. example. I think this has been inspiring. And this is something that we can use in our marketing of the organization because it, hopefully it will attract people yeah. who think that this is a good thing. Yeah. 
And they would think that, okay, service has these ideals. I'm going to join them. Apart from being president, of course, Johnny is a travelling hosting service member. So I asked him to tell us a little bit about some of his recent experiences. Can you tell us about the last person that you and your family stayed with, the last host? Who was that? Um, while I think about that, I'm going to tell you about the, the most recent travellers we okay, had. Okay, great. Yes. It was, that was my a, next question. It was a wonderful couple from China. Uh-huh. They stayed with me and my wife in Stockholm, uh-huh. and they were so curious about everything, about Sweden. We gave them typical Swedish food, and the woman was taking photographs. But she was studying, actually studying uh, Western food. It was also memorable that I introduced them to sauna culture. Oh, yes. Right. yes, I'm a big sauna fan. Uh-huh. Yes. Do you have a sauna at home? Well, uh, my wife and I live in an apartment building, and it's actually on the floor above us. And that was one of the reasons we, we, we moved to that apartment uh, a couple of years ago. Close proximity to the sauna. Yes. <laughs> but then we have a little summer house outside of Uppsala, and there we have a sauna. Yeah. And I would say that's sort of the, the real sauna, because it's wood heated. When I, when I come home, I will hopefully be able to take a sauna in our new sauna. Ooh. Yes. I just got a call from the person who, who is installing the chimney. So, yeah. Now I started to talk about my second most important hobby, which is sauna. <laughs> but you were asking about the guests I had. And yes, that was yes. what happened was that I, I asked them, would you like to try sauna? Of course, they were a bit scared. Okay. Now they were in Sweden and maybe they thought... It's like the big time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, they probably heard stories about world championships in, in sauna. You know, there was a Russian who died in, in the Ooh. sauna world championship. Wow. I, I don't do it that way at all. It's just It should always be pleasant. It shouldn't be a competition. Anyway, they were a bit scared about this, but I, uh, I explained to them it should always be pleasant. It's, yeah. it's nice. In the end, uh, it was only the man who came. And of course, I explained that it will be men going to the sauna yeah. and then women going to the sauna. Okay, okay. And if, if they would have wanted mixed, that mm. would have been fine because yeah, that's yeah. the way we do it in, yeah. in Sweden yeah, yeah, most yeah. of the time. So he went and then I said, oh, and now I'm going to take a swim in the waters of Stockholm. He came and, <laughs> and he, was, he was looking at me and suddenly he just jumped into the water. And he started swimming. And this guy, comes, he comes from Guangzhou in southern China. It's a very hot climate there. Yeah, yeah. And I said, how could you do that? Oh, I just, I just had to do it, he said, for the experience <laughs> of having been to Sweden. So, so he really dived into the culture, huh? That's a very nice image. Very nice <laughs> yeah. image. Yeah. Excuse my terrible joke. But what an opportunity for a pun. Okay, so now I remember the most recent host. Uh-huh. It was a family in Breda in Netherlands. Oh, okay. Very nice family. Yeah, stayed there for two nights. To be honest, I hadn't really studied very much what to see, and I wasn't very inspired either to, to go here and there. Yeah. And so, on. so I thought maybe I'll just go to Breda, Breda town and go to the city, look at the cathedral and yeah. do the typical things. But then they explained to me uh, that there were some... UNESCO cultural heritage things mm. to mm. see. Mm. 
and you know they gave me exactly what I needed to do that trip in yeah. a very efficient way they gave me a card for the bus which I could fill with money and they gave me exact uh, timetables and stuff like that yeah. and they told me you should see this and this and that and that and this would probably have taken me maybe a couple of hours some errors to get the ticket mm. like, without that inside knowledge huh? exactly yeah. the, the locals mm-hmm. so that's wonderful Well, I was introduced to hostmanship, which is about how to make people feel welcome. The host I stay with, the woman in the family, she handed over a book to me and she said that this is a book about how to make people feel welcome. And I used this in a workshop where I work. And she's a manager in a municipality with 45,000 people. Yeah. And I want my staff to act in a way that people the inhabitants in in that municipality feel welcome mm. so we're studying that now mm. and this it's a, it's a swedish company actually that has been built upon this idea that wouldn't it be nice if everybody in the world could feel welcome mm. wherever you go if whether you go to a bank you go to a restaurant you go to a hospital or you go to somebody's private home mm. So they are teaching these very basic things. So Johnny took what he learned from his Dutch host to the conference and ran a session on hostmanship and how to make people feel welcome. I don't know if you went to the hostmanship workshop here. I showed a film. We had a discussion about what do you do before somebody comes, during the visit and after the visit to make them feel welcome. So I thought it was such a good match with what we do. And that was a very good workshop, actually. Very inspiring. I wanted to do this hostmanship thing, yeah. how to make people feel welcome. I wanted to do the documentary film, which mm. is about intercultural experiences, intercultural learning, mm. how to behave in other cultures and maintain your curiosity towards under other cultures mm. because they're so exciting yeah. and they're so applicable on, on what yeah. service is doing. But yeah. I think that the, the next GA, if we have money for next uh, conference, <laughs> yeah. uh, which I hope we will have, yeah. I think that's going to be definitely the best one. Because now people have come forward already and giving ideas. I would like to do a workshop on this. I would like to do a workshop on this. I mean, if you can, do, if you can plan something like this over three years, you can do fabulous things. Okay, so one final question. If someone was to ask you, what is service, what would you answer? It's a peace and hospitality organization. And why should they join? It's a way of getting to understand other cultures from the inside. And I would tell them that if I go traveling to another country for a week, if I don't have two nights with a service host, I feel that that trip it's not complete because i mean if i go to a hotel i see the sites i see all the beautiful landscapes and everything i read about the society newspapers watch television but just to get that piece of reality in my puzzle of the country that i visit is exactly what i need 
thank you so much, Johnny, for talking to us today. Well, thank you for the questions. <laughs> music used in this podcast is Jazz Classic by Hyperprod, purchased under a music standard license.